it is time for another gut-wrenchingly awesome episode of Splunk Talk, our weekly chat session where we answer questions sent in by our outstanding listeners and collected from various forums such as Splunk Answers. Visit Splunk.tv to subscribe or listen live with us every Friday at 11 a.m. Central Time. And as always, to participate, send us some questions through email at splunktalk at splunk.com. On today's program, we'll focus on questions around topics of things going wrong and how to fix them, advice, consent, news, and views. Now let's get this started. I gotta have more cowbell. Splunk Talk, writing answers without a doubt. Splunk Talk will help you figure it out. Splunk Talk, I can tell the whole world about Splunk Talk. Epic. Epic. <laughs> Epic theme song, if I must say so myself. All right, we're going to have a fun, awesome, filled Friday. Welcome. It's Splunk Talk. And today, as usual, per usual, we've got Jeff the Big Geek, Blake, out of the Windy City of Chicago, Illinois. Are you the Big Geek, Jeff? That's what they say, Michael. You're the Big Geek. How did you get the Big Geek name? I don't know. That just sort of surfaced, didn't it? I kind of gave it to him right now. Nice job. Thanks, Matt. No problem. Big Geek. Wasn't that a, a ROV or remotely operated vehicle in the movie The Abyss? Oh, you went deep for that, didn't you? Boom. Okay. <laughs> who's, the, uh, who's the other voice on the end of the line there? This is Maverick. How's it going? Good. Maverick. Where are you today, Maverick? I am in the Plano office, the Splunk Plano office here in Dallas, Texas. Are you doing Are you doing awesomeness today? I'm trying. That's what people tell me all day today. Okay. Do awesomeness every day? Uh, not every day. Maybe every other day. Okay. That's good. At least there's a three awesomeness quota a week, so. No problem. And the, the master of mayhem, that's me, uh, Michael Wild. I'm affectionately known as the Splunk Ninja. There's a story behind that. Send me an email to splunktalk at splunk.com if you're really interested. I live, work, and uh, sweat here out of Austin, Texas. And uh, it's a pleasure to be with you today. Is it hot down there? Uh, you know, right now I think it's about 90. So some would consider it hot. But And as, as I mentioned last week, I may be cooking ribs again. But I did get, for those who listened last week, I did purchase... The vertical rib rack. No from, way. From William Sonoma. That, oh, uh, we'll see how, how that like goes. It? I don't know. I'll have to try it, especially because my wife doesn't like ribs. I'll have to uh, do it on my own. Okay. Uh, bummer. Doesn't that just mean more for you, right? Uh, usually, no. yeah. It, it means we're, he's having a party. We're all invited. Um, I want to know if a vertical rib tastes different than a horizontal rib. Well, so far, I can't. Okay. Full report next week. What are we talking about today? We're talking about just general stuff that people do that sometimes they run into trouble. You know, maybe it's what not to do. Maybe it's what to do when things go wrong. What, uh, what can we, the benevolent answerers, answer for you today, Jeff? Uh, here's a good question. Uh, I'm sending in, this is a quote, quote from an actual user. I'm sending in data from a lot of devices over syslog. So they're coming in, they're all coming in over at the same port. Why are the host names all set to the IP address of my server? 
a common question. Let's see if you guys can answer. I think we need like we need like a Jeopardy theme there, kind of in the background to just ding. Fra- phrase your answer in the form of a question. Okay. Except I already asked the question, so that doesn't work, does it? Ding ding. <laughs> ding, ding, ding. Uh, I, I got it. I got it. I got it. I think I have something. Um, why are the host names set to the IP address of my server? Likely that user was uh, means the IP address or the host name of their Splunk server. So they may have a lot of logs coming in from 15,000 different routers, switches, and firewalls. But it looks like everything is set uh, to Splunk, um, a Splunk server. So what? Uh, there's a good chance it's just Splunk is just configured incorrectly, and there are some uh, pretty easy ways to overcome that. What do you uh, What do you think, Maverick? Yeah, no, that's it's totally configuration thing. I've seen something similar to this type of type of uh, question, uh, and I get this some somewhat. Uh, if you're using like a Kiwi server or some server that's going to syslog first and then forward to Splunk, sometimes it will uh, put a prefix uh, on on every event that has the host name of where it's sending from. Uh, and then it kind of pushes the message down, and so you'd have to configure it to look for the second host name, not the first. So the so the actual host name that you're expecting is actually in the message. It's just it's been shifted over because of some kind of a pre-processing or pre-appending of, of the message. I've seen that, and um, that's also a configuration uh, change that can solve that. So how do we fix that? Well, here's what we do. Um, you can put a configuration in Splunk for that host source or source type in that case it'd probably be the source being probably udp 514 or another port that you're receiving syslog on and you can put a configuration in there in two files props.conf which will create the rule upon which the configuration should work and apply it to that source as i said and and then uh, create a file called transforms.conf uh, it's going to be down in your Splunk home slash Etsy slash search. Uh, sorry, Etsy slash app slash search slash local. You put props and transforms.conf in there. And in transforms.conf, you can basically say, um, in this part of each event is where the host name should be. So go ahead and set each event with that host name, and it'll process every event. And there are some other neat, neat use cases for that configuration. There is another way, which was actually the way we solved the problem uh, because this user happened to have syslog ng which is an op- open source uh, syslog uh, we were able to put a bunch uh, we were able to configure the syslog server so that every device uh, persisted the logs in its own unique folder the folder name was the name of the device and if you instead of having syslog instead of having splunk listen to the syslog port you can instead have splunk tail all the log files in each of those distinct directories and that happily picks up the, the device name as the host name, and it was uh, a quick and easy fix that way. That's not always the way, it's not always possible to do it that way, but uh, it worked out for us in this case. You know, I like it. I like it a lot. As a matter of fact, I like using SyslogNG as a receiver, and to have SyslogNG write the, its logs to a file, and then, of course, as you had mentioned, uh, have a forwarder go and pick them up, because then... You know, if your network ever goes down um, on the way to the Splunk server. You've got um, all the logs. You've got all the logs. And it's like your own little cache to sort of protect yourself from fail. And we all like cache. We do. Yes, we do. Lots of it. I bet you have a question, Michael. I doubt it. 
It says, <laughs> I doubt it. I probably have a statement, but I'll try to form the statement in the form of a question. Go for it. Let's go. Let's okay. Hear it. I set up, not I, but in the third person, I set up Splunk to monitor my archive directory of 20 gigabytes of zip files. I have them set up to monitor that whole directory, but why is my server so slow to index them? Ah, I get this one quite a bit. Uh, well, first of all, I will just say that um, if you have a 20 gigabyte zip file, typically, um, you know, uh, that it's probably going to be a one-time index. It's not something that you really want to monitor. So setting up as a monitor is already the issue. What you really want is more of a, like a one-time copy or what we call batch mode. And so you can you can do it in the GUI with one-time upload. You can also do it at the command line. Typically, it's even better, more efficient to do the command line to do a, uh, a, a like a batch add or a sinkhole add sinkhole, uh, which is what we call it. Um, and it's a destructive type of an index. And it, what, what it'll do basically is it'll tell Splunk, don't don't keep trekking you know every so often for anything that might be new being appended like to the end like you would expect a log file to behave um, you know treat it like a uh, something you're gonna do one time and just start from the beginning and just rip through it as fast as you can parallel process it whatever you got to do to index the whole thing as fast as possible and then de- and then delete the zip file when it's done um, so that's your answer there do you have any feedback Jeff Anything you want to add anything to it, buddy? Um, I guess I would have asked, is it, is it, I didn't hear the question. Was it a zip, a G zip file, a zip file, or was it just a binary file? It 20 is, gig, 20 gigabytes. It and was a zip file. It's okay. an archive directory of 20 gigabytes of zip files. <laughs> Thanks for that clarification. Now there's uh there are some optimization. There are some optimizations you can do to, uh, um, if, if you know you're going to be indexing binary files, and I think that would work with the zip too, um, I don't know what they are off the top of my head. Okay. What are they? Isn't there a is binary or something like that? Is it, what is it? Well, Splunk will automatically unzip the uh, archives. The there's a couple of things to consider. It's um, it, let's say you have a directory of, of archives that you've been collecting over a day, month, or a year. You may want to index those at a time where you don't have a whole lot of real-time data flowing in because, you know, archiving those gzip files is going to be a giant amount of data. And you may not be aware that it's taking some processing power to do that at the same time it's eating raw data. Another thing to consider is, as Maverick talked about, use something like... um it used to be called batch, but now at the command line, it's called one shot. So you can say Splunk add one shot and then take each of those zip files and just add it. So Splunk add one shot archive one dot zip and Splunk will work on that one, index it and it'll be done with it and just go through that until you're finished with your archive and then have fun eating uh, stuff in real time like you like you normally do. So. Yeah, and also, and also, you can also, if you really want to get down and dirty, uh, go into actual inputs.com file and actually change it. You know, let's say you did it as a monitor, and that's why you have this problem. You can go change that monitor to the word batch, and then you can add in the. Uh, there's another option in there to uh, the like specifying the method for an equal to sinkhole, and you could save that off to kind of turn it your input that you already saved into a new batch one that will treat it like a sinkhole. That's another way to do it and save the config off and, and drop, drop new things in there and, 
in that directory and it'll totally work like that. Another thing that you also to consider as part of this question is why my server is so slow to index them. Um, you can use Splunk to diagnose Splunk's performance. Okay, so first of all, wow, yeah, believe it or not, Revol- revolutionary. We we Splunk ourselves. Wow. Guess what Splunk generates on a on a minute by minute basis? Events, log files, right, and they're written to the file system. Wow. And, yeah, and Splunk automatically indexes them. So what I usually do is, uh, if people are having performance issues, I usually ask them, "Hey, what platform are you running on? Thirty two bit or sixty four bit? There is a difference." How's your memory and CPU if you're using a 32-bit Dell Windows laptop? Don't expect to index that 20 gigabytes of data uh, while you're having lunch. But if you look, if you run a search, do a search, uh, just type in the search box, index equals underscore internal. That'll give you all the Splunk logs. But if you filter out to just the metrics.log, And just search for the word blocked. Splunk uses a series of cues as it processes data. And if you start to see blocking, there's a good chance that your server is getting overloaded and you might want to back it off or potentially uh, stretch your infrastructure with a couple more servers or or whatnot. Hey, you know, you know, just give me an idea right now. We should do like the next, maybe the next one of these episodes, uh, just talk about the types of things that internal has and then the type of things to look for for issues. That would be kind of cool. I like that. Let's put that we in the talk licensing is a big one for that too. Yeah, I mean everything. I think that's great. Yeah, I mean that's but that's that's exactly right. It's kind of you know splunking ourselves is kind of like a mechanic who fixes his own car. You know, you kind of you, you think he's more reliable if he can fix his own car. You know. Yeah, yeah. Or maybe, you'd, you'd or maybe not. <laughs> you'd hope. Um, <laughs> My mechanic takes the bus. <laughs> he, that's, that's a bad sign. No, that's because he's he's is he green? He's got a low carbon yeah, footprint, and he's that's green. True. <laughs> or man, maybe leave it to the leave it to the Splunk Ninja to figure out a great way to spin that around. Maybe maybe he's in fact a. <laughs> <laughs> okay, um, you know, right, I got a, I got a question. Hold oh, on a I second, dude. What? I don't think you do. We, I do. I, what? What do I got to hold on for? You we, need to wait a minute. We'll get Why? to you. We'll get to you in a should minute. We, shouldn't we take a break? <laughs> we should probably okay. take a break. Yeah, absolutely. No. Okay. So the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about the Splunk user conference coming up. Go check that out on the website. Going to be fun. We'll all be there. But we do have a another episode of goodness coming up. You can find me in St. Louis. <laughs> tell, us a, tell us a little bit about that, I Jeff. Know. Tell us about that. Beautiful. Uh, St. Louis, gateway to the Midwest or West or something. Uh, one of our great, great cities. Hey, in- I used to live there. Don't make fun of it. I'm not making fun of it. Cl- Clay- ha- Clayton? Love Clayton. Gate- that's that's where we are actually having the big fan of Clayton first ever St. Louis user group for Splunk. Excellent. Very it's cool. at Mama's Sweet Treats and Bread's Bakery Cafe on 8400 Natural Bridge Road in St. Louis, just on the western edge adjacent to Clayton. Free wireless internet access, free beer and free food. And we'll probably have a lot of Splunk swag and some awesome uh, People coming from corporate to talk about some of the new uh, roadmap engineering features. 
We're going to have a uh, little contest, a little Splunk trivia contest that I'm sponsoring. And uh, generally, just everybody in the St. Louis area that wants to uh, get together, meet other Splunk folks, and uh, see what's new and, and kind of hang out. What's the date and time of that again? Sorry about that. That's July 15th from 6 to 8 p.m. Again, 8400 Natural Bridge Road in St. Louis. It's called Mama's Sweet Treats and Bread's Bakery Cafe. And if the sign Kansas, is the sign in, is bigger than the whole place. If you're in Kansas City, it's only like a four hour drive, so I encourage you to make. I used to drive that all the way all the time. <laughs> Should we hit all the? Well, it's only four hours from Chicago too. If you want to, there you go. <laughs> you know, we had this idea for the Splunk bus a while ago. Man, we had to we had to re- resurrect that thing and just do a tour. And you know, you, Jeff, you bring your mechanic. Uh, I'll bring my soundboard. Maverick can bring his mechanical bull, and we'll we'll go on the road. How does that sound? If you, if anybody thinks it's a good idea, send in their vote at Splunk Talk at Splunk dot com. Awesome. Speaking oh. of cows and cowboys and uh, whatnot, what you got, Maverick? Okay, I got a I got a very common question. Actually, this is this is a good one. Um, this this. Uh, this user says the Splunk GUI on my lightweight forwarder is no longer available. Help. Go. Help help with an exclamation point? Because uh, that's like really three three or four and like the number one, every name being mixed in there. <laughs> Cause this, this is uh I hate to say it, I, I do hear this a lot too. And it if you know, sometimes people say there is no dumb questions, this is kind of a dumb question because the key in this question is lightweight forwarder. So as, as many of you know, the Splunk forwarder, our forwarding agent, is, is able to be configured in a variety of ways for either performance or for enhanced uh, uh, distribution of the indexing uh, load. In lightweight mode, one of the big things that we do is turn off the Splunk web um, process, which would disable the ability to have a, a user interface, a, a GUI running on that particular platform. So, um, yeah. If you're so that's configured, by design. It's by design, basically. It's by design. So, obviously, if you, if you are in lightweight, if you've configured your forward for lightweight mode, it means that you really want to uh, remove all of the performance bottlenecks on that platform and just forward the logs over to the indexer and part of the way we do that is by disabling all the other Splunk processes that are not required for that, uh, which would mean the GUI is not going to work. Uh, so uh, can I put it back, though, so I can get back to it, though? It's not, can I have it where it starts back up? Oh, you want it, You can just restart the, the service. Sure, you can restart Splunk, Splunk Web, and yeah. And, no, uh, you can't. Why not? You can't. Yeah, you can. So I tried this, okay? Okay. And um, Splunk Web is disabled from starting. So I thought, uh, I, ha- I actually had this running in one of my demo environments. So it was a lightweight forwarder. Windows or, Windows or Linux? This particularly was Linux. Because Windows, I think you can okay. it, uh, restart the service. Yeah, so I went to the command line and said Splunk. Uh, you can run, for those of you who don't know, you can, uh, there's a command line language for Splunk. So you can say Splunk start, Splunk stop. As we said before, Splunk add one shot. But I had a light uh, and also Splunk enable 
the lightweight forwarder app. And I needed to get in to configure this node because I didn't remember every command and wanted to just do it in the GUI because I was lazy. And I went to Splunk start Splunk web and it didn't start. I think it's by design that it's not supposed to start. So I had to disable lightweight forwarding uh, and then start it up and it, and it worked. So, But if you couldn't remember the commands, how did you uh, disable lightweight forwarding? Oh, I could remember the commands for disabling lightweight forwarding, but I was going to, I was doing some other type of configuration that. Ah, gotcha. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, there are, there are also some. So you had to bring it out of the lightweight configuration to a standard forwarder, then you could restart Splunk web and then you could do your stuff in the GUI. Yeah. And I don't know if it's supposed to be like that. I, I, I could have screwed something up. I would have expected though, that I could have just started Splunk web like you had you had mentioned so I mean. Well, you, yeah. can, you I think if you go into web.conf and also there's a, a, a parameter in there, you can say uh, disabled Splunk Web equals defaults, and then it would start up. Correct. Yeah, that, that may have been what I did. I, I don't remember, but I, I just kind of thought that if I just start it, then it would go. So it may not. Do I think that. the the point is I. Th- I think we we config we we have the configuration for lightweight forwarder for large deployments where people are trying to have minimal impact of the of the forwarding agent on, in their environment. So you you shouldn't set that up if if you're going to have a need to go back and do tweaking. In other words, if if you're still in a sort of a QA or you're still kind of prototyping things out, don't configure it as lightweight until you've got everything set the way you want. And then you can use deployment server to to push out the new configurations and those things. Yeah, exactly. Cause, cause that Splunk web, when it goes off uh, and it's disabled, it, it drops it down, you know, to virtually hardly any CPU. And that's, that's what you want in light, in a lightweight mode. So yeah, totally wait till you're done and ready to go, ready to push it. And then, and then enable it. Cool. Awesome questions. Uh, pretty good answers. Eh, I don't know. <laughs> questions were better than the answers. Thank you very much. <laughs> some some of the answers were phrased as questions. Some of the questions were phrased as answers. But, Just like Jeffrey. But this is Splunk talk, uh, not Splunk answers or Splunk questions. So anyways, uh, send a note to Splunk talk at Splunk.com if you would like a question answered on air. I think a couple of them came in over the email machine. Okay. Carrier pigeon. What's going on this week, boys? Tell me something interesting. Well, um, uh, here's this is interesting. Uh, we're doing uh, we do this weekly webcast every week. Uh, hence the name weekly. Is that why we call it weekly? Nah, it was sort of. I, I did a random Google <laughs> and it wasn't taken. So, <laughs> anyways, nice, nice. And uh, people are starting to dig it. Uh, the attendance is rising, which is good. And we set up the, you know, Jeff and Maverick and me, we work in the pre-sales group at Splunk. We're sales engineers or, you know, technical dudes. Or, or whatever. What, whatever. And uh, we set this up because Splunk's a really easy product to download, but sometimes you, you know, you might be downloading it onto your laptop. And, uh, or you, you may need to put it in your data center and, and well, you need to figure out what it does first. So the weekly web demo is cool because we'll tell you what Splunk is and kind of give you some architecture. But we go into a pretty decent demo where we start with the basics of it. 
and we um, kind of go over some tips and tricks, some things that you probably wouldn't have picked up uh, just installing the product, show you how to do some reports and searches. It's cool. It's a cool intro class. Even I have people that go, will go to it. Uh, they, I may do a demo for them and they forget, forget what I said and they go to the weekly web demos. It's cool. It's nice. People are starting to dig that. If you guys have any ideas out there for other things, uh, for us to do to help educate people about Splunk, just let us know. So it's nice to know that it's working. Yeah, I think I think it's increasing probably because more and more people are telling people in the same companies that own the product, say, hey, just go in there and you could probably learn it in that one one hour that we do it. You could probably learn it, most of everything you need to know to, to be you know uh, productive with it. So it's it's just a good testament to how easy and and quick and intuitive it is. But I think part of the part of the increase is because of of that. Just you know. Existing customers sending everybody else that they know to it. Sweet. So, um, so an, uh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Uh, is that all that's interesting this week, or do you have anything earth shattering? Wow, you know that's uh, that's a good uh, segue into what I was going to say. Actually, um, yeah. So we have uh, we had two international Splunk lives this week. Two. One in Mexico and one in Taipei, um, and we uh, in in Mexico we actually had it was a partner that actually brought in about eighty five people I think uh, attendance um, uh, to to the one location that we had I think it was Mexico City I was believe. it was it Accelerate that did that I think I think so yeah, yeah. I think it was and, Accelerate. And, and, and uh, and so all new users, people that never heard of Splunk, 80, 80 or eighty five of them, I think, that didn't had never seen it before, and were or El Splunk, or El Splunko, yeah, exactly, or Los Splunks, uh, Los Splunks, Los Splunkos, um, and then um, and then also in Taipei we had uh, a record breaking attendance actually, uh, with like with something like three hundred people had registered, over three hundred, and two hundred and sixty five people showed up to that one. And just blew our minds. So, of course, we blew their minds right after. So, no way. Yeah. So, so that broke the record from the one that we talked about. I think a few weeks back in uh, DC, where 190 people were attending. So that so far now the record is now 265, and we'll see if we can break that in a future Splunk Live. Awesome. By the way, I just just let you guys know. I, uh, last week I was number 13 on Splunk Answers. Oh, oh boy. See, I thought we were going to go a week without talking about No way, way, man. Because, you, no, I brought it back because you asked me to, to share right. my we, tracking. We, we, so guess we, what position I am now? You think I went down this week? I, I don't know. Did you? No, I went up when I'm up number 12 now on the user's board. Top well, wait user. a minute. Thank you very would, much. So, so a smaller number is going... Up or yeah, because if you're the number one user, which I'll never be, so yeah. So like Gerald is number one. So but every week you index up one. Is that uh, is there some correlation you can? I mean, I'm just ratcheting it up. Uh, yeah, actually, yeah, you I, know what? It, I, it I doesn't matter. <laughs> it doesn't matter because I I don't know if anybody saw my question I asked on Splunk uh, it, Answers. It matters yesterday. to some people. Well, did what was your answer? I I briefly. Uh, I let's say I focus grouped a question. I did a trial balloon, and my question was, "Can we change the name of this site from Splunk Answers to Gerald Answers?" Really? Yeah, that's a good idea. I'll, it, I'd vote for that. Yeah, I know. We'll I'd see. vote that answer out. Gerald answers a lot of questions. 
he's like the god of answers at, here at Slant. So um, he's on another planet. Uh, so we are blessed when he can come to our planet and, and share with us. But um, help me no, understand why, why is a, uh, why when a, uh, Splunk live is done, uh, in Mexico and Taipei is a considered international <laughs> because it's from our perspective here in cowboy land. That's okay. why it's a mystical, magical place of internationalness out there. International. Taipei is not international. Is that what I'm hearing from you? I don't know. I just think it's Taipei. Matter of fact, I, I heard the, co- the the It's the, not the Thai restaurant down the street from you. It, it's actually a different country. Attendance attendance record was like 300. So that's 300 Taipei's in Taipei. That's right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, <there we> go. <laughs> I so want a sample of your fake laugh, Jeff. Oh, what did I do? Oh, uh, what else? I, I didn't think it was fake. It sounds real to me. No, I can tell. Of course it's real. I can tell. <laughs> All right, I'm going to talk about our recent press release with Cisco and the release of our Splunk for Cisco security app and the fact that we're going to be demoing it next week in Las Vegas at the Cisco Live show. There's uh, We have a section of the giant Cisco booth where some of our uh, business development guys and smart guys that have worked on the Cisco security app, Will Hayes, props to Will Hayes. He's going to be there to talk to you about that. And Splunk will have a booth there as well. So stop by, get a free Splunk t-shirt, Mandalay Bay all next week, 28th through the 1st in Las Vegas. Cool. It's awesome. nice to have a partner like Are Cisco. We, did you say that we're in the Cisco booth? Yeah, we have a, I believe. We're embedded. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the, we have like a kiosk, a Splunk kiosk inside of the Splunk, uh, the Cisco booth. It's OEM'd uh, into the booth. It's a huge, you know, since it's a Cisco show, their booth is like half the, the floor. It's actually the booth, the only booth there. No, because we have a big booth there too. Yeah. So we have two booths. No, it's two booths. Booths. <laughs> two booths. Okay. All right. Thanks for the correction. There's a lot of Splunkers at the Cisco show. We can just leave it at that. Yeah. Well, well, well. I think this is my uh, favorite part of the show, of the program, if you will. Is uh, What did I learn this week? Uh, this can be about Splunk or anything randomly technical. Uh, what do you have? I guess I'm up first. I'm up first. There's a couple things I learned. I fortunately wasn't uh, crazy enough to stand in line for an iPhone 4. But I got it a day early and found that it uh, my phone does have that stupid antenna problem. But, you know, no. it doesn't really matter because I was going to put a case on it anyways. But... I don't know what are you gonna do. That's not about Splunk though. Uh, at Splunk, I was up. It was a late, late, late night last night. I was all ready to go to bed at like ten or ten thirty or whatever. I don't know. And then I ended up working with Splunk. It's kind of an interesting thing about our product. Um, it helps you solve problems and it lets you do cool things. And one of the things that I was doing. Okay, I got to picture this. Picture this, if you will. A partner had uh, was asking for my help 
and he's working with uh, a broadcasting company and they uh, write out these log files that show status of uh, encoding video and encoding jobs. And these log files really, they're not really recurring logs. They're, they look more like Unix's top. So it's a columnar log format where you have, I don't know, not, a, not an even spacing. So maybe you have 10 columns and the headers are in the first line and the second line has all these little dashes. You know, to kind of make it look like a column header. It'd be really good to read if you were reading it. But uh, they wanted to index it so they could search it and kind of figure out how long the encoding was taking. So I indexed it. Um, and in many cases, Splunk has this feature called check for header equals true. Uh, and Splunk will usually do a pretty good job with that. Um, like if it's a CSV file. In this case, it didn't. So I ended up writing my own set of regexes to map the um, to map the field extractions. Now, can picture this: you have different length columns, and things within the column can have spaces in them. So, how the heck did I do that? First of all, uh, one of the reasons why I'm giving a regex class at What's it called? User conference, which is coming up uh, next month, uh, August, whenever next month is, August, is to kind of teach people how to think um, in regex. And so I use kind of what I call positional regex. So I would say any character 10 times, that's field one. Any character 15 times is field two. Any character 35 times is field three. And this is kind of long-winded, but it's okay. It's something I learned. And so, if you think about it, there's this one field that has a title of the movie. That's a movie or an episode. And the title of the episode might be, you know, Jeff's documentary on the naked mole rat. Okay. Now, uh, I've seen that before. I hear it's awesome. Uh, when it I mole rat awesome. or mole rat? It could be mole rat. I don't know. Okay. Just checking. But anyway, so this. I've seen both of them, actually. This field for title. I made it 35 characters long. And I was using the rex command in Splunk that lets me, you know, do field extraction at the search language. And Splunk is actually capturing all 10 or 12 space characters as a part of the field at the end. So my field wasn't just the title. It was the title plus a bunch of spaces. And that's no good. So um, at the search line, at the search box I can do I can pipe that to um eval and I can trim it what I found is all I had to do is take the field extraction persist it in props.conf and Splunk automatically trims off all the spaces that kicked ass that does sound cool I didn't know that I I mean I like to do like this technical hard things in Splunk that kind of make me do stuff outside the box and force me to learn the 15 ways not to do something and then only to be surprised that there's a right way to do it. So anyways. A right and easy and optimal way to do it. Yep. Cool. Unlike your way. Well, I got there. I had like one thirty. <laughs> exactly. By, by you are the ninja. By one thirty. Splunt Ninja. Splunt Ninja. You don't get that name for like no reason at all. Right. So, want to hear what I learned? Yep, definitely. Please, what did you <laughs> learn? <laughs> you learned how to laugh in a very realistic but yet fake way. 
I, I have never learned how to laugh. You know that. With my ongoing POCs, and last week I talked a bit about um, the 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 uh, Python code that we support. It's uh, the Mako templates for kind of helping you with visual pieces of, of uh, the UI in Splunk. I found yep. some other stuff this week on a different POC, which I thought was uh, really helpful and a lot easier than diddling with the Python code that's... Uh, that's part of the uh, Mako stuff. So not widely documented, not widely used, but uh, if you're familiar with application CSS, which we use very frequently in our, right. in our UI, there's an adjunct piece of code called application.js, which is a JavaScript uh, module that you can include in any app. And you can do some very... Interesting things, uh, a lot, and specifically around dynamically uh, changing the visual elements based on searches or, or even on uh, user navigation and things like that. So there's uh, some new docs coming up from that. Nick Mealy's working on that, but he pointed me into some stuff that helped us on our POC, and it was very cool. I'll, we can we can we can actually probably have a whole show on on just uh, the visual elements of the UI and all the different ways to to work with that, but. Application JavaScript. Cool. Specific for each app. Sounds cool. flexible. It does. Sounds it very is. flexible. Yeah, so um, so speaking of flexible, actually, this is not a very good segue. Um, I'll just dive into it. So uh, I had a customer I was working with that was trying to get uh, security events generated for when you changed um, – Changed, uh, you know, objects and things, uh, or created users inside Active Directory, right on Windows, right. So they had all of the th all of the types of, um, you know, enablement of auditing turned on, but uh, but whenever they whenever they deleted an actual OU group, it actually did not generate a security event, and they were like, "What's going on?" And so I, I you know, being curious and the geek that I am, I'm like, "Oh, I'll try to figure this out for you." So I actually. Pinged a bunch of people. No one could really tell me, uh, you know, other anything that I didn't already know that I didn't already share with this customer. And so I actually got on an, an AD server and actually was playing around with it. And even I uh, enabled everything. I mean, like everything, and still didn't it didn't work. And the customer finally came back and says, "Oh, you, I figured it out. You have to go into the local group and and also enable the auditing there, in order for it to to apply uh, at that same level. So it generates the." Uh, it generates the proper event for that particular one. So it's, so it's not just at the high level, at the at the domain level. You actually have to go into the local groups as well. So I just that was something I learned I wasn't wasn't aware of before. So I thought I would share that particular piece. If you're a Windows user, you might go duh already. But um, um, but and then also I learned I don't know if you guys know this. Maybe I'll pose this out. An FS change. Did you know that whenever you um, when you set it to be full indexing, you remember like last week we talked about, or maybe the week episode before we talked about enabling FS change uh, in order to monitor f config files, and you can actually set it to in index the whole entire file. Actually, yes, actually, as one event. Yeah. So there's a new parameter that I guess I, or at least maybe it was there. I didn't know about it and think realize, but I learned this week. If you do send event max size is equal to negative one, then it'll get the whole thing as one event. Wait, so it does not get the whole event? It gets the whole file, but it doesn't get it as one big event unless you set it to negative one. So I learned that this week. 
um, working with somebody. Yeah. And so so if you guys are setting that and saying full event equals true, but you're still seeing single lines, then um, then you you need to oh, that's set huge, that because I actually set, set something up this week and I got 10,000 files in, in like five minutes. And that, that was, was that was probably it. So say that again. It's what gets you, set to negative one under in the inputs dot right. under the FS change uh, stanza, right. stanza. You, put, you put send event max size equal sign one negative one if you negative one means get the whole thing unlimited size basically because i was setting it really high thinking you know if if i capture all the lines then it it won't break it up but in fact that's the wrong setting i need to go negative one that, that's what basically huh? you're saying that's the maximum yeah and i wish i knew that two days ago <laughs> well hey so that's why we have the show Thanks, and Matt. that's why that's hey, why all, today. Yeah, and that's why all you guys out there listening need to send in your questions um, to Splunk Talk at Splunk.com. Splunk Talk at Splunk.com. Um, the last thing I'll just share with you guys that I thought was cool, I saw a cartoon for kids on PCI and the 12 requirements. It was the funniest thing I'd ever seen. What? But I, It was. A cartoon. Why do kids care about PCI? PCI. I don't know. Denied. I think it. it <laughs> I think it plays. I think Dude, it plays that the is the stupidest <laughs> commercial I have ever seen. Okay, it wasn't even a commercial. It was like a fifteen-minute song with the ten things about BCI or whatever. The twelve. The twelve. 12. Where, where did you see this? Oh, dude. What? What? Just search. Uh, just go to YouTube and search PCI song or PCI. It's very. Uh, it was. I learned. I rem- I learned all the twelve requirements. Like it was really easy to remember. So anyway. Payment card info is sensitive for sure. Here are 12 requirements to make it more secure. Because you certainly wouldn't want to read the spec. <laughs> All right, fine. Edit it, this part it's, out if you don't like it. I think it's cool. Uh, I, think it's, 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 I, I want it in. I want him to keep it. You know, maybe I'll I'll end the show with the PCI song or something. Like that. Do that. Or, <laughs> or, yeah. Or, anyways. Or Whatever. <laughs> This, this was, uh, I don't know Take if we out. quite got in the gut-wrenching, but it was it was a fun, happy, lovely time with the both of you. My gut was wrenched. Mine was, but before we started. Something. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Give me some fake laugh, Jeff. That's <laughs> him. Okay. All right. Anyways, as always, like Maverick said, Splunk Talk at Splunk.com. To be a part of the show, subscribe. Check out Splunk TV. Everything we're doing, we're doing it for you because we love you and we love Jeff. Y'all better watch out now. We love Maverick too. Because Splunk is about to take over. Ha, 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 ha.